0: If we can help them find little things here and there for them to get better at, eventually they will get better at the big things. And that's really what our world needs. It's about, in my mind, so much more than just the environment. It's about us constantly improving ourselves and becoming the best that we possibly can rather than just going through life and letting life lead us wherever it leads us. We've got to be intentional. We've got to make choices. We've got to make the decisions that are going to make us as successful as possible.
1: Hi, this is Josh, and this is the Joshua Spodek Show, formerly Leadership in the Environment. I still bring you leaders in the area of the environment in the form of leaders and role models. Everyone treats stewardship like a burden or chore, deprivation, sacrifice. So did I until I actually tried it seriously. It is a joy everything about it. We're here to share that joy, meet amazing world-renowned people from all parts of life, hear about them, what the environment means to them, and hear most of them find something meaningful to act on and then to share their experience. Why? Because stewardship and acting to help others for something greater than all of us creates about the greatest feeling humans can get, as does fresh air, clear water, delicious food, and clean land. That's what we're bringing you. This conversation starts off strong with Jethro's very matter of fact description for riding a bike in minus 40 degree weather. He's a principal just going to school in the morning, but he could be a radical mountain biker talking about some extreme sport. Listen to the end though, especially after he talks about his daughter, where we get into what actions like what he's doing are about. It's about meaning and purpose and living an intentional life of those things, of meaning and purpose. And it's about how accessible those things are. You don't have to ride a bike in minus 40 degree weather. You can do the things that are relevant in your life Yet today's world makes it easier to live passively, losing meaning. So listen to the end. I appreciate Jethro for bringing out the importance of our conversation and what these actions are about. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Jethro Jones. Jethro, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Glad to have you back. You know, I've been talking about you a lot because a lot of people talk about how doing things for their environmental values, stewardship is like a big pain. They're like, oh, it's too much work. I can't figure this stuff out. And I say, well, you know, I know this guy. And he came to me and he said, I'm going to ride my bike every day to work, which is school. And they suddenly get a little more pensive and thoughtful and think maybe this isn't so hard. So can you tell us, can you remind us what you've been doing for, it's the school year, right? The 2018, 2019 school year.
0: That's right. So since uh, August, when I started, I've been, riding my bike to and from work every single day. And it's uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. Work really isn't all that far for me. So it's not like I'm riding 50 miles each way. But I do live in Fairbanks, Alaska. So I have ridden my bike when it was negative 40 outside.
1: Negative 40. Because I before we connected just now, I was looking at the weather. So it, according to, I don't know, the internet, it's 10 right now.
0: And yeah, that's pretty warm
1: that. Yeah. I was going to say for the rest of us, that's really cold and there's so many questions. So I want to ask what your clothing is, what it feels like. Do you, are you like a different person for having lived there for so long that you you've somehow gotten thinner blood or thicker blood or something like that? Is it, do you see other bicyclists, bicyclists on the road?
0: Yes. There are other people who ride bikes. So I'm riding a fat tire Bike. It's a Diamondback L. So a pretty cheap model, and the tires are about three inches wide. So that helps me go through the snow a little bit better, and it also helps me have better traction when I'm going on ice and things like that. So it's it's certainly not perfect. I've fallen four times. In fact, I just fell the other day when there's when there's snow and then people walk through it, and it makes it all clumpy that's when it's tough because you can't really see where the clumps are. And so, you know, you'll hit the side of something and then your tire will just stop because you weren't prepared for that. And so then you got to push through it. And most of the time I do fine with that. But the other thing is that when it's that cold, it gets really icy. And so the times that I've fallen have been because I've been on the ice and haven't been able to do anything about, it. But, you know, the the tires just go out from under you. so. That That's only happened a few times, thankfully, and so so that's pretty good and then, as far as what I'm wearing, I wear some snow boots when I'm riding. I was wearing just my dress shoes at first; it just got too cold for that, and my feet would hurt from the cold really bad by the time I got to work so and my feet get cold easily, so that was a precaution I took early on. So I wear snow boots and then I wear um some thin. Uh, Kavik brand pants, which are from the local Big Rays up here, is a Alaska outfitter company, and they are just an outer shell, so they don't have much warmth to them. They're pretty much just there to keep the wind off my legs, which I found pretty quick was what the the problem was. I they have a little vent on the side, so I often have that open up. Then I wear a regular uh, down coat that I have and and that's good. And usually a long sleeve dress shirt is what I wear to work. And then the down coat on top is usually enough. And then, and then I wear a balaclava to cover my face and I make sure my face is covered completely. And then I have a, a ski mask that I wear to keep the wind out of my eyes. That's the other thing that was, before I had that when it was cold, it was really uh, challenging and painful. And I'd have to ride with my eyes closed about half the time
1: (laughs) so that I,
0: so they didn't hurt so bad.
1: The way you're speaking is so matter of fact, this is what most people would, people around here would be like, you wouldn't believe what I'm doing. I'm doing this and that. And they'd be like talking about how badass this is. And you're like, yeah, yeah, of course. Well, you know, when people go through the snow, it's, it's like, you're talking about major mountain biking stuff, but you're just like, this is how I go to school in the morning.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it is. You realize when you live in a cold climate and I mean you're in New York and it gets cold there and it snows. And if you are dressed appropriately, then it's not a big deal at all. And you can be out in it for a long time. If you're not dressed appropriately, then then it is really difficult and challenging. So the interesting part is that outfit is what I typically wear. And then of course I wear a helmet because my brain's all I got going for me. And so I have a special winter helmet that is like a winter sports helmet is essentially what it is. And that helps me stay a little bit warmer. The part that's interesting is the gloves that I wear on my hands. Because um, depending on the weather, I have to wear different gloves. So I have three different pairs of gloves. Well, two gloves and one mitten. And if it's like today where it's 10 degrees, I can wear my light pair of gloves. Because it's not that cold and I can be fine riding with a light pair of gloves. Um, if I wear my, are,
1: are they really a light pair of gloves, or are they light for Alaska? I think they're light for anywhere. I've okay. had them
0: for many years, and w- when I lived down in Utah, where it wasn't that cold, and and so they're you know they're pretty thin. They're not quite uh, the thin ones that you use for the touchscreen on your phone. Just one step up from that. Okay. So I pretty much just need to keep the wind off. When it gets a little colder, I have some more heavy duty that I would say are like medium level. And then when it gets down below. Below about 15 below, then I wear my mittens, and those are really warm. And so I have those, those are the three things that I change. Otherwise, I wear all the same stuff. And the down coat keeps my upper body warm. And then my legs are pumping so they don't get too cold because they're exerting so much energy at the time.
1: When you get to school, how many other people ride their bikes to school? Do the kids do it? Uh, There are a couple kids that do. There are a lot more
0: when it's not snowy, but. I think there's three other kids
1: that do. And is this making you, do they see you differently than they would before? Are you like the cool principal or something like that?
0: I don't know if I'd say cool, but they're all surprised that I'm riding my bike. That's for sure. And, you know, I come in and I'm totally covered from head to toe. Uh, There's no skin showing. And so they, at first they didn't know who I was. (laughs) And that caused some interesting conversations because they didn't really know how to act or, or what to do about that. So
1: Wait, you started this in August though. Don't tell me it was that cold in August. You mean the first couple times when you, yeah, the first couple times when I was all geared up. Okay. So there you are. Okay. So I'll put this picture. If you send me this picture, then I'll put this picture. So, so the people know what I'm talking about. He just shared a screen and put a picture of him. And I can see that there's a little bit showing on like, just, I guess that's on your nose.
0: Yeah. Tiny little bit of my nose. Cause the the uh, balaclava pulls down, but that was the day that it was negative 40. And, you know, you can see all the ice around my mouth where the air is coming out and it's a, uh, that's just something that you deal with, but you know, it's not a big deal. It just melts when you get inside where it's warm.
1: And so when you get to work, are you like, wow, that was really cold. You just like, uh, let's get to work. Like as if you had just gotten out of your car.
0: Yeah. Pretty much like I just got out of my car. the The problem is once I get inside, it's really warm inside. And so I got to get that off before I start sweating to death. You know, oh. I'm all warm from, from riding, and then I get inside and, and got to take it off so that I'm not dying inside.
1: <laughs> or Do you get sweaty?
0: Or uh, I don't get sweaty outside. It's just when I go inside, that's when I get sweaty.
1: Okay. And how does it feel when you, before you started doing this, before, like when, when the weather's starting dropping and it's starting to get cold and you realize you're going to start bundling up, when it was starting to get cold, and you realize you're going to have to bundle up like this, was there a part of you thinking this is starting to get serious or, or what was motivating you? Um, really like number one, telling you
0: that I was going to do it. And I said that when we talked before, I was like, I I'm telling you because I don't want to wimp out later mm-hmm. in the year when it starts getting cold. And, and that's a real thing because I, I didn't want to uh, wimp out. So that's keeping me going. Also, I'm a person who loves the cold. And so it's not laborious or tiresome or irksome for me because i enjoy being out in the cold and you know that that feeling of breathing in clean really cold air is is different than breathing in other air so to me that matters and that that keeps me going the other thing is we don't have a, another car so i don't have a lot of other options and so like last week it was really warm and the sun was out. And so I wanted to spend more time outside. So I walked instead of riding my bike. And by really warm, I mean, it was, you know, it was above zero. So it, it didn't break freezing, but it was above zero. And so I walked to and from work because that was, I could spend more time outside and when the sun was actually out. So that was, that was nice.
1: All right. So you, you've mentioned using me sort of as accountability but you also contacted me to do this. So there's, I feel like the accountability keeps you true to your word, but you were motivated to do it in the first place. I mean, I hear, I think it's like the stewardship. I, I feel like it's, there's, you're doing something, this, this is keeping you true to it, but what's, what got that going?
0: It's tough to say because I, you know, we talked about this last time also, that it's not, it's not all about, all about environmentalism for me. It's about Being a good steward and taking care of my body and doing something to exercise. And I haven't found like a gym that I love to go to, like I had in Kodiak where I used to live. And so this is a way for me to be able to get exercise and take care of my body. But then, you know, also I have a stressful job where I'm dealing with kids and teachers and parents all the time. And so, you know, as a school principal, I've got, I'm always putting out other people's fires and I need a way to like, have some separation between home and work and being able to do something physical is helpful with that as well. And so, you know, if, if it helps with the environment and there's one less car on the road, then to me, that's just a side benefit of all the other things that that are meaningful about it. The exercise, the separation, the time to reflect and ponder as I ride, just riding a bike, which I love doing, being outside, all those things are are the driving factors.
1: You know, it's interesting that you, that, I think that a lot of people view doing stuff environmentally or doing stuff, exercise, they think of it as a hard thing to do, something that they have to go out of their way to do. In my case, certainly before I started doing the no packaged food, I would have thought of all the cooking that i that I end up doing as taking time and effort and work and especially because living in New York, I got within maybe a couple of blocks, I have cuisines of probably 50 different countries right around here. It's not necessarily the case that doing things, interacting with the environment, which could be going for a run or biking or swimming or whatever. It's not necessarily the case that those things would be fun or rewarding, but it turns out that it's well more invigorating and exciting and stuff. If someone who someone who doesn't live in Fairbanks and, and what if they decided that they're going to go for a walk in the woods by the, or in the park, something about being amid the trees, maybe it's something evolutionary or something like that. It just seems to calm you down. You talked about a separation from stress that I think being connecting with nature, connecting with your body, it seems to be way more beneficial than people think.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And And for me, that's a spiritual thing. I believe that that God created the earth and that he created it for our benefit and that we should enjoy the beauty that is there. And the purpose is to enjoy the beauty. So it's not like, you know, use it and abuse it, but the purpose is to enjoy the beauty of the earth because it was created for us to enjoy. And so if I can do that and be outside and, and enjoy that time a little bit more and find time to be able to do that. I think that that's a really powerful thing. I believe that it, it centers me, it brings me closer to God and that those things are really important to me.
1: And I think it's it's so easy in regular life to lose track of those things. And it doesn't take much to get you back into it, but you do have to put an effort in because it's much easier to get stuck with, I don't know, social media and staying inside all the time, watching TV, eating, package, eating getting takeout it does take effort to get out of that. It's certainly easier to get follow, just do like buy the things that the advertising tells you to buy, (laughs) which is not broccoli.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) So, you
0: know, I think about that. And one of the things that we did when we moved here to Fairbanks a year and a half ago is we bought a house that was going to be close to work so that I could ride my bike or walk to work so that we wouldn't have to buy a second car. And, you know, that those kinds of things, like that was actually a big decision. And it worked out that we got a fantastic house that's very close to work that is really great. But, you know, that that was a conscious decision on our part to make sure that we were that we were living close enough that I wouldn't be forced to have a second car. Now, an interesting part of this is that sometimes I need to go downtown for district meetings. And sometimes I ride my bike. Like if I'm going to be there all day long, I will ride my bike. But then at the same time, the other thing I need to think about is that it is, if it takes me 20 minutes instead of five minutes to ride my bike down there, then I feel like if I'm riding my bike... I could be cheating out my employer by by doing that because I am taking all that extra time that I don't need to be taking. So at the beginning of the year in August, I had to ride 45 minutes to get to where our meetings were because it was all the way on the other side of town. That was fine because school hadn't started and all that. But now I don't feel like that is appropriate. And so I do drive or have my wife drive me to those meetings downtown and she drops me off you know, especially if it's just an hour. And then one thing I've started doing is seeing if I can do uh, phone calls instead of going in for meetings, so that I don't, so I don't have to even leave my school. And so, you know, that's just an interesting side thing that I didn't uh, really think about before, but now I realize, especially when it's cold, it does take a lot longer to ride than than other in the summer when it's warmer.
1: You know this. I've been using, the, I don't know if you know the term slow food, the slow food movement, which, you know, is the opposite of the, trying to move the other direction of, the fast, of fast food. And I've been increasingly thinking about like slow life because I do it more and more, you know, if I'm not flying and I want to sail to Europe, then that's the opposite of fast food. And I was talking to a friend and maybe I should have recorded this for the podcast, but I was just talking to him. I was doing, I, I told him how I, how I asked people to take on personal challenges to live by by their environmental values. And it turns out that he runs a conference. He runs conferences all over the world. And it turns out that there's one in New York and one in Shanghai, almost the same time. And he just says, you know what? I'm not going to go to the Shanghai one. I'm not, it's just, I don't need to go. It's been done enough times. The guy there is an expert. I'm going to enable him to do more and I'm not going to go and I'm going to skip that flight. And I was like, great. I didn't ask him to do it, but he did it. And suddenly everything changed. He starts being like, this is amazing. Now, I don't remember exactly how he put it, but in my terminology, he was delegating and enabling people to do more than they could have otherwise. And I think that happens when you, when you start not trying to be everywhere at one pl- all the time, and you recognize if I can't be everywhere, I enjoy where I am, and it's a matter of enabling other people and spreading things rather than going there. Things like that happen more. Like I think that this podcast. I'm starting to get nibbles of people who want to start the next leadership in the environment. Like there's a guy in California and I'd love to have a leadership in the environment, California or a leadership in the environment, LA. Or I don't know, he's he's going to specialize it for him. Hopefully this will work out. I think it'll grow much faster by him starting something there than by me going there and trying to proselytize or something like that. And I think that's happening with you is that when you don't try to get everywhere as fast as you can, you end up actually being effective in a different way is often more effective.
0: Yeah, so that story reminded me of you asked what got me going on this before I reached out to you and and I remembered what it was because I believe in those small things that lead to something bigger. And so I read the book the one thing about a year ago by Jay Popson and Gary Keller mm-hmm. and in that book they talk about doing little things to lead to something big later. And so one of the little dominoes they talk about knocking over is establishing a a habit that you're going to do. And one of the habits that I established last summer was exercising for 66 days straight. I'd gotten out of it and I knew that I needed to do something to exercise. And that was what actually, once I was running and I really hate running. And so then I decided that I need to buy a bike. And after doing the about 30 days into the challenge, I bought a bike and then a whole new world opened up because I could go on bike rides with my kids and we just started going all over and it was loads of fun. And then once as I was doing that, I was like, I love riding my bike. I should do this more often and it's really enjoyable. And so that's that's what I did. And then I decided to do this challenge of riding my bike to school every day this year and then, um, contacted you to, to make sure that, that I held myself accountable to that.
1: I'm curious. I want to go in two directions here. One is talking about exercise. Cause I exercise every day and I was running marathons and then I started going to the gym, but the gym was times when it rained, I would often feel like not going and it cost money. And I don't like spending money on stuff that I don't have to. And then I started the burpee stuff and so I'm kind of curious if if that would be something that would work for you, like body weight exercises, and the other things I'm curious about the relationships, how how your interactions with other people have been affected by this, if they have, are they supportive? Does it not really affect them?
0: Yeah, it does affect people because I need to keep my bike inside my office with a fat tire bike. I learned when it got really cold that the the air pressure when it's cold deflates the tires, which I knew in a car because you know you have to deal with that but i didn't think about it on my bike and so i left my bike outside one day when it was negative 30 and i got on my bike at the end of the day and i had to work so incredibly hard to get those flat 3-inch tires to carry me home that it was just ridiculous it took me 3 times as long to get home and i felt like i was going to have a heart attack because i had to work so hard. I got tunnel vision and, and I was going slower than I ever went before because it required so much effort because the tires were flat.
1: There was just extra friction, rolling friction was higher.
0: Yeah. And so instead of the tires being three inches wide, they were like five inches wide. And, you know, I had to use that much more effort to make it happen. So it was, it was powerful, a powerful lesson in that you got to understand, I don't know what the law is, physics. PV equals NRT. Yeah. So it was like I was dying and and so now I keep my bike in my office. So it's a conversation piece and people are always amazed when they see it and they ask why I'm doing it and and why I'm not driving a car or you know, taking an Uber everywhere. And you know, it's it's a pretty simple thing. So it sparks conversations and, and is a you know conversation starter. And then as far as relationships, you know, there's there's a big fat tire mountain bike group up here there. There's probably one everywhere because it's a different kind of ride and it's unique. And so I haven't really gotten in with anybody except one other person who rides a fat tire bike. And so, you know, we get to swap stories and that's brought us closer. And so, you know, really it's, it's been conversations that have started and people saying, wow, I can't believe you do that. I would never, I could never do that. And, then you know, it goes to the inevitable conversation of, could you really never do it or do you just not want to ever do it? And and really, it's mostly, I just don't want to ever do it, And mm-hmm. but I could do it if I had to. And just starting that conversation, I think is important and helps people understand things.
1: Do you ever feel like, what does it sound like to you when someone says, I don't know, what's something people could do to act on similar values? And they're like, um, that's, that's too hard. And it's something like bringing a fork with them or, you know, just avoiding getting plastic bottles. And they're like, Oh, how can I go for, how can I not get this plastic bottle? How does that sound to you?
0: Yeah. You know, we all have our, the, the challenges that we face, right? So we all have something that seems impossible to us until we actually do it. And so all that is, is a mindset issue of you've got to do a little thing to show that you can do it. And so Those examples are already, I think, really small. And I think most people would be like, yeah, I could take a fork with me. Or yeah, I could take a water bottle with me instead of, or a cup instead of getting a plastic water bottle. And so, you know, it's like, what you've got to do is start asking yourself little questions. Like, what's something little that I could do that would make it so this is possible? And so, you know, you may have this big goal to, Impact the environment or change something. And we usually bring it back, you know, 30 steps and say, what's smaller than that that I could actually do? What's smaller than that that I could actually do? And then keep going back until you get to the thing that is there. So my daughter came home from school the other day and she said, guys, we need to start recycling because we're destroying the planet. And we were like, okay, that's great. So here in Fairbanks, there's not a like we can't put recycling out in the in the garbage can so we have to collect it and then we have to take it somewhere and so you know we started talking about that kind of stuff and we asked my daughter like what is it that you can do to help improve the environment you know it's the same kind of question that you ask and you know she couldn't come up with anything and so we're continuing the conversation but it's something that she's learning about in school and she wants to do something about it and she even said as she changed her mind about, or she said, I know what I want to be when I grow up now. And I said, well, what's that? She said, an environmentalist. And I said, great. What does an environmentalist do? How are you going to make money doing that? And, you know, she she didn't have answers to those questions. And that's okay. You know, she's starting to think about something that she's passionate about. For me and my daughter, I'm happy about that. And whether she pursues that or not is immaterial to me. I want her to learn more about it and what she can do and what actions she can take if she feels important about this and feels like this is important. And so, you know, that's that's the direction that I'm heading is trying to help her find something that she personally can do because I believe what you say, that it's all about our personal actions that really make the difference.
1: Have you looked up
0: Greta from Sweden? Is she the girl who went to the G6 and talked about Climate change.
1: It's possible she did. I, I know that I had a guest who was Swedish months and months ago, and she told me about her. And then once I heard about her, then she started making the news a lot more. And so it's a 13 year old girl whose mother is, was pretty active, a singer. And then she's done a lot of videos, and she's being very active. And it's surprising. Well, she's not. I don't think. I don't think she's making money doing what she's doing, but she's making a big difference. And I think people are. I think she's inspiring a lot of people. And then actually, you know, with this, this yellow vest stuff in France, there's a bunch of students that got together and signed petitions. And this was organized by their, it was like their MIT, like a, you know, a technical school, which is socially conservative. You know, I don't know about their politics, but they don't go, you know, they're like, we just want to get a job. They're not like trying to take stands on issues. And they were saying, we recognize it's big changes to our lives. We will never work for companies that pollute like this. And- uh, like this i you 'd have to read what they wrote to for the details, and you know what 's happening with me because of this podcast big companies are coming to me and saying we realize that for a long time we 've realized that we have to be more environmental, and they 're also starting to realize that if we act if we say that we as a company are becoming environmental, but we don 't behave consistently with it the the leaders of the company don 't behave consistently with it, then people say we 're greenwashing people say call' us hypocritical and we, the leaders of the company, now need to start behaving this way. A friend of mine, she was working with the founder of some, I'm not going to name the company, but it was some really big company that everyone's, I don't know if everyone's heard of it, but it's been growing really big lately. And the guy said, we are now not having any single-use plastic within our company, something like that. So my friend is telling me this, and she goes, he's holding a single-use container in his hand while he's saying this. What a hypocrite. Now, I don't know if the guy's a hypocrite or not, but she thinks he is, and it's the opposite of his goal. So... I didn't plan for this podcast to be a money-making thing, but it's looking like it's like people are looking for consulting because they say, Josh, you are able to get people to share and act on these things. And they're, they're sharing things publicly that they normally wouldn't do. And they feel good about it. So maybe she could start leadership in the environment, Alaska, or leadership in the environment, school kids, because your dad has all the podcasting equipment. So she could actually do it. That's right.
0: Yeah. And crazy. She's not like totally focused on doing a podcast. I don't know how that happens. I must be doing a bad job as a father, but she's, she doesn't find the passion in it that I do. But so in that story, the thing that, I, that bothers me about that, that story you shared is that here's a guy who's, who's trying to do something. And you know, part of my challenge with riding my bike is I, I don't ride my bike every single day. And some days it makes sense for me to be driven downtown. Other days it makes sense to walk. And so, you know, it's not every single day, but it is, you know, nine out of 10 days. And oh. and that matters because nine out of 10 days is better than zero out of 10 days. So here's this guy who's trying to do something and he may be holding a single-use container in his hand. And maybe, you know, he just doesn't recognize what he's doing. That he's holding it in his hand, first of all, and maybe he doesn't see it as a single-use container. You know, that could be something that he goes and washes that he, you know, took from somebody else who had it. And that's his effort to, to do that. And so the judginess that comes along with the environmental stuff, that's where I personally have a problem because it doesn't help us to be judgy. And that's what I've appreciated about you so much is that you're not judgmental about it and that whatever people are willing to do, you accept it and respect it and say, that's great. Let's move on. And you, you, push people to do, to do more and not in a, you have to do this because I'm right and you're wrong kind of a way. And that's, that's the problem I think with an environmental movement is that it becomes so judgmental. I have heard of Greta before and heard one of her speeches and and that's part of my problem with her as well is that she's very harsh and very judgmental about the other people around and what I appreciate is people who can do it without being judgmental, you know, for a you know, let's take Apple for example. They boast about their environmentalism and how they're doing a lot to protect our planet. Now, somebody could say, well, yeah, you could protect our planet by not making these iPhones and not, you know, mining for the materials to go into them and all that kind of stuff. But they're making a concerted effort that they're public about, that they're trying to do things better. And that's great. And, you know, not all electronics companies are are saying that out loud some of them may be trying it but not everybody is is making it a focus like apple is and so the little steps they're taking which are big steps because they're such a big company those little steps need to be valued and appreciated because when it becomes judgmental then nobody likes that and nobody nobody wants to be guilted into to doing things i don't think that's the right way to do it and i don't think that that's helpful because If it is about personal responsibility and it's about you making a personal choice, you can't do it in a way that, you know, if I said, I can't believe you're riding, you're driving in your car to work. I ride my bike every day. Nobody would want to talk to me (laughs) because I'd be a jerk. So you've got to do it in a way where, Hey, look, this has made my life better. Maybe you could try something too. That's what I love about your approach. And that's really why I'm even talking to you because I wouldn't be having this conversation with somebody who is judgy and making me feel bad for all the other things that I'm doing wrong. You make it safe for me to try something new, no matter what my comfort level is. And that's where the value is in, in what you're doing.
1: You know, something that happened to me that made this possible was that when I started going no packaging for food, I didn't think that it was going to taste good. And then when it started tasting good, I realized this is really good. And the more changes that I make, for me, environmental, it turns out that they keep resonating with things that feel so fundamentally, to me, good that I'm like, I'm not spreading. What I'm sharing is joy, discovery, growth, meaning, purpose. And that if I weren't sharing, it's not necessarily the case that it had to be that way a priori. So once I found that, I was like, wow, this is not the message that I'm getting from the rest of the world, that this is really delicious. And that's what I'm sharing. I have a friend who listens to this and he's like, you know, Josh, you had someone on and I had someone who was um, carpooling and my friend was like, Josh, if everyone in the world carpooled a little bit more, it wouldn't make a difference. Like your thing is, it sounds nice and all, but it's not going to make a big difference. And he's like, "If, if that's the level where we are, that people carpool a little bit more, we're lost. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've felt despondent or have wanted to give up. And I, because I feel the same way you know I, I may, you know I'm not flying and people are like uh, going without straws I'm like the amount of jet fuel that's released in like a, a split second during takeoff is so much more than a little straw and they're like talk about pennywise pound foolish but on the other hand, if you don't start where people are, you don't get anywhere so you have to start where people are and I mean the way I look at it is if you want to play Carnegie Hall stage, if you want to play piano at Carnegie Hall, you got to start with scales. Now, scale doesn't seem like it's music; it's very mechanical, and somehow magically, almost like magic, if you play enough scales and other simple pieces, you will eventually start expressing yourself through the music, and it goes from something mechanical to something artistic and expressive and authentic and genuine. And so, I think that that's what I'm doing, and I hope that it will ramp up in time to make significant differences. Because I think that if I have someday, you know, if someday Oprah's on my, on the podcast or I'm on Oprah's show and, and I do it with her, that that she shares her environmental values and she chooses to act on something then she shares. And I predict that she'll be like, wow, this is really great. I wish I had done this earlier. Then I think millions of people will possibly follow in her footsteps, not because she's a celebrity, but because they feel like she's someone in my community. She's in lots of people's community. Yeah. Because then it becomes,
0: okay, what can I do? And what is, what's possible for me? And what's something that I care enough about to make that change? And so, you know, that's, that's totally appropriate. And yeah, there are a lot of things happening in our world that are not good. And the environment is one tiny little part of it. And some people will say, no, it's everything, but no, it is one tiny little part of it. And what you've done is you've created this, this swell of people who are doing this and people who you've never talked to are doing it and they should contact you and come and talk about it because, it matters to share the story because it makes people feel well if that person can do that i can do this which that person may never be able to do but it's something that i can do and now when we look back at those dominoes you know if you start with one little domino and you keep increasing the size of the domino eventually you knock over a big huge domino and maybe you know this Greta girl and the other people like her who say they're not going to work for corporations that pollute the environment, you know, that's one thing that, that, that they can do. And, you know, whatever big company i not care, if one person doesn't come and work for them, you know, that's not the end of the world, but it's important to be able to say like, this is, this is my limit and this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm able to do. And then move on from there. And, you know, that piece about having Oprah do it also, people will say and and this is this goes for anybody if that person can do it then I can do this and and that's where where the magic happens because then you have individual people working on their own values where they're comfortable where they're able making conscious decisions to be better now because I'm a super nerd this totally gets back to education as most things do that if we if we can help kids understand what their own impact is and what they personally need to do within their families to be better at environmentalism, at treating people with kindness, at being respectful, at being good human beings. If we can help them find little things here and there for them to get better at, eventually they will get better at the big things. And that's really what our world needs. And it's about, in my mind, so much more than just the environment. It's about us constantly improving ourselves and becoming the best that we possibly can rather than you know just going through life and letting life lead us wherever it leads us. We've got to be intentional. We've got to make choices. We've got to make the decisions that are going to make us as successful as possible.
1: I could stop it right there. That was, <laughs> that was great. If you like the show, I recommend acting, as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe it in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small it doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's Joshuaspodek.com slash donate. All right, so now you've been doing this for a while, and so your normal is now a different place than it used to be. Are you thinking about other things to do? To I mean, now if this is normal, but it wasn't before— then is there something on your horizon that's that wasn't there before that you're thinking of?
0: You know, honestly right now there's not and it'll come. And when it does, then I'll be prepared and ready to jump on it. But right now I'm just, I'm enjoying that. This is my new normal, that it doesn't bother me to put all the gear on and ride to work. Sometimes that gets a little bit old because, you know, it just takes a lot longer to get ready. That's not a lot. It's just like five minutes, but but I appreciate that this is my new normal and I'm comfortable with it and I enjoy it. And I don't make excuses to avoid it. And, and, and that's good.
1: Plus you got until May or June until the semester, until the school year ends. Right. Yep. I'm going to go back a bit to what your daughter said, because there's, she mentioned we got to recycle and this came up in my mind. It's the more that I do this stuff, the more I realize recycle. you know, there's reduce, reuse, recycle, and almost everyone forgets the reduced part and everyone knows they're in that order for a reason. And the more that I think about it, the more I realize that recycling, reusing and recycling are, to my mind now, qualitatively different than reducing and far, far inferior. That especially because I realized that we have become reducing, reusing, and recycling are ways of making things more efficient. But if we have a system that pollutes and degrades our world or creates an outcome, and if it makes the world in a way that we don't like it to be, if you make that system more efficient, you will achieve those goals more efficiently. And it's a, it's a subtle point, but actually the trend has been there since, I mean, I, I did a post on this, you know, the steam engine, the watt steam engine back in 17, whatever. It wasn't the first steam engine, it was just a more efficient steam engine. And people thought, all right, it's more efficient, it should use less coal. Well, each use use less coal, but people started using it more and finding more uses for it. So the total amount of coal went up, total amount of coal consumption went up. And that trend has been going on for the past several hundred years. As we're getting more and more efficient and we're polluting more and more. So for me, it's pollution for you. It might be, you know, not stewarding our world or ourselves. And, you know, it's the same thing. It's very similar. Like everyone just sat, sat in traffic thinking if there was another lane this traffic would be gone. They should make this wider. And it took us generations to learn that widening roads and building more roads created more traffic, not less traffic. But the roads are here and they're going to be here for centuries. They are stuck with them. And people haven't quite caught on that increases in efficiency without changing the goals, simply achieves the goals more efficiently. And if you have something that's recyclable, Yes, recycle it before you uh, throw it away. But the goal should be less recycling. And my, my goal is less recycling, just have less stuff that could be recycled. I, throw, I, I take out my recycling a little more frequently than my, than my trash, but it's still once or twice a year. And that's to me a lot because most of it, I didn't need at all. And it's a really subtle point that I hope starts spreading because you know who really likes recycling? Coca-Cola, Pepsi, McDonald's. They love it because it means increasing consumption and everyone, Oh, you know who really loves it is Trader Joe's like their whole business model is to put packaging around stuff. So it's easier. So the operational costs go down, but there's all that packaging and they just put the word recycle on everything really big. So everyone, I think people walk out of that store feeling like I'm so good. All this stuff is recyclable when it's all, it wasn't, it didn't need to be there in the first place. And most of it is not going to end up being recycled even even if it is recycled it's not going to get recycled in the way that they think most of the pollution that came out of it was upstream so recycling i'm not opposed to it but it's got a place if your goal is more trees and birds singing and things like that it's reduce reusing i mean reducing
0: yeah so one of the things that my that my daughter does already that i think is admirable is that she will take things that we have around the house and then she will put them to use in other ways. And and that is recycling in and of itself, right? Or reusing, I guess. But she's creating a different purpose for that. And so it's not going through a, a chemical process to recreate something else. It's just using it for something else. And, and that's something that she's done for a long time that, you know, she just likes to get use out of the things that that we have and so so that's good. Now, as a 11-year-old kid, you know, she doesn't have a lot of control in our home about the things that we buy and whether or not we reduce because she doesn't even go to the store with us because you know, we go shopping without the kids. And so that's that's an area where what can she do? You know, that's something that that she's got to start figuring out for herself. And I'm excited to have those conversations with her and and talk about that idea of recycling versus reducing, and see what kinds of things she can she can come up with, and how we can change as a family because of um, her ideas.
1: Well, when she gets it, she'll be ahead of almost all of the population. <laughs> yeah, and then she can spread something in a way as broadly as Greta, but in a way that. Is works for her or works for more people, possibly. I don't know. I don't know what will come of it. There's another thing you were talking about about action that about another distinction that a lot of people miss that I can't help but share because you touched on it before is that a lot of people talk about awareness and consciousness. They want to become more aware. And you know, this stuff has been front page news for at least 10 years and not front page, but news for generations before that. Everyone's plenty aware. The difference between Action and awareness is night and day. It's and if you don't act on it, well let's put it aside, if you awareness doesn't really lead to action. It can. Lack of awareness can lead to not acting, but being you can be aware and not act. But if you act, it boosts your awareness a lot really fast. And I think people don't act because they know that it's gonna actually make them more aware. And they're gonna start realizing things that they could have done earlier and they're gonna feel bad about it. And this is not judgment from the outside. This is Certainly for me, when I started doing the new packaging, I realized I could have done it a long time earlier. I was like, oh, I knew that I could have done it, but I didn't want to put in the effort. And so for years, if I looked back, I was like, oh man, I was, I was actually keeping myself unaware through all this analysis and stuff. I was actually keeping myself from figuring out how to do things. And so that's why I focus on people doing something. And because that, once you get over that feeling of helplessness and guilt and, and whatever it is for different people, once you realize now that I'm doing what I can, you don't feel those bad feelings because you're you're doing what you can and you can't do any more. And so you're like, well, that's what I'm doing. And now you feel, well, for me, I feel enthusiasm. I feel excitement. I feel, you know, certainly I enjoy. That's I like that a lot more than like trepid trepidation.
0: Yeah. And Josh, the the reality is that we are meant to act and not just be acted upon. And so Our species is designed to be able to act and do things and not just let things happen to us. And that, I believe, is a powerful piece of of our agency and our ability to make choices. And if we can just recognize that, that we don't have to be acted upon all the time and have things happen to us, instead, we can make choices and change our environment, change the world, change the people around us by our actions rather than, you know, this, what was me? I can't do anything. You know, the world's so bad right now, all that kind of stuff. Like that just doesn't, that doesn't need to happen. We can, and we should, and we should try often to be the ones doing the acting and, and not just resign our fate of, you know, whatever it happened. And I can't do anything about it. That's just, that's a bad way to live.
1: Yeah. To me, when you do stuff, when you have something to do, it gives you purpose. It gives you meaning. And when people say, if I act but no one else does, then what I do doesn't matter. What I do doesn't matter. Wow. That's like a really powerful statement. What I do doesn't matter. It's like meaningless. My life is meaningless. My life is purposeless. Like that's really, how does that, what does that do to your psyche thinking that all the time? What I do doesn't matter. What I do doesn't make a difference. Talk about nihilist. Talk about like, what's the point of going on? Whereas just get a bike and ride to work. And it changes everything. I mean, once you get started with that, what what I do matters, begins, that's a beginning. Then you figure out what you can do and you start doing things and you do things that matter, that have purpose, that have meaning. Oh man, I haven't said it like that in a while. I don't think I've said it like that before. What I do doesn't matter. I haven't really unpacked that
0: but to me that is a truth with a capital T one that never changes one that goes on forever that what we do actually does matter and it matters for our lives it matters for those around us it matters for everything that we come into contact with and it doesn't have to be some big thing and it can be a little it can be a little tiny thing we just need to act and when we get out of the mindset of this is all happening to me and into the mindset of I can take action and make an impact then, or I, I try to avoid using the word impact, but I can take action and make a change. We can in many different areas of our life. And, you know, we're talking about this narrow piece of the environment, but it it impacts everything else around us. And, you know, I may, you know, let's say that you're not flying in planes, For the environment, that is impacting so many different other areas of your life beyond just the environment. That there's real power in that. You are now saying, I can only make certain choices because I'm not going to fly. So you will probably never come up to Alaska because it's going to take you three weeks to get here from from New York. And so maybe you'll say, you know what, I do want to go to Alaska. I'm going to find a way to get there that that is in line with my values. And that is going to add additional meaning to you, which is going to be powerful as well.
1: Yeah, you just said in the abstract, what's actually happening? I'm not going to Alaska, but you know, I'm you know, I don't know if you know, I'm learning to I, over the summer. I took sailing lessons so I could learn to sail because that's my goal. This summer is to go to Europe because I've been invited to do a conference there, and I, and I think I got a bead on how to get there by a sailboat. And then I want to get to Thailand at some point, maybe next summer or sometime later. And, you know, increasingly it's, it's not what you stop doing. If you're doing something that's against your values, see a lot of people associate flying with the place that they're flying to and they associate, and they they think of just like the high point, but there's of course much more to it. But in any case, it's what you replace it with. As you said, I have to figure out what can I do? And then it's creative. And, you know, in my case, sailing, sailing didn't have to be fun. It turns out I really like it. and Taking the train, turns out I really like it. And also just staying here and being more part of my community. It's kind of a funny thing to say. I want to fly around all the time. It's like, I can't stay here. This place is, staying here is so bad. I have to get away every now and then. Most of our history, I don't know, people probably didn't go more than 50 miles from their home in their whole lives. And I think that they weren't miserable. They certainly didn't have like opioid epidemics and they didn't have, you know, now there's plastic porn. There's like a category of, at one point there, you'd see a picture here and there of a beach covered with plastic stuff. Now it's like, it's a genre. There's like pictures of old decaying buildings in Detroit. There's like building porn. And now there's plastic porn. And like, that's where we've come because we all feel like, well, what I do doesn't matter. And the advertisers are telling me to buy this stuff. So I'll just get it because no one told me to get broccoli. I wouldn't sound like Greta. It's just that I hope that what people are hearing is like what it feels like to be on the cell, but what it feels like to be eating my food over here. I have two containers that I'm making sauerkraut and four containers that I'm making vinegar because I'm so swimming in vegetables and fruit that I can't eat them fast enough. And it's stuff that's coming my way just because there's a supermarket near me that was getting rid of all this perfectly fresh stuff. But I guess they had a new shipment coming in. So they're like, we're just getting rid of it. So I got all this free stuff and I can't possibly eat it fast enough. And the vinegar is actually tasting really good. I never made vinegar before, and if you talked to me back in my like clubbing days when I was playing sports and like playing at nationals and worlds, and someone was like, "One day you're going to make vinegar," I'd be like, "I don't care." And now it it tastes better when you make it yourself.
0: Yeah, and so many things do. And so there's another example of when you when you take action, you see the benefits and the fruits from that, and and that's really that's really powerful. So, you know, I, I just think there's, there's so much power to taking action and making your own choices and not just letting things happen to you that, you know, it's just
1: really powerful. You know, I usually wrap up with a couple of questions, but I feel like you've just answered them several times over, but I, I'd like to end with, uh, uh is there anything I didn't think to ask that's worth bringing up or anything you want to say? The other is, uh, is there anything you want to say directly to the listeners?
0: I would just say, You know, if you're listening to this, you obviously have a passion for something related to it. Just find that little thing that you can do and do that thing. You be the one to take action. Don't let things happen to you. That would be my ending point.
1: Jethro, thank you very much. You're welcome. I learned from every guest, but Jethro led me to some new places. Unpacking that clause, then what I do doesn't matter. Hit me hard. If a clean environment means something to you and you say, What I do doesn't matter about something meaningful, first of all, it does matter. Where we are now is the result of people's behavior. Where we could be in the future, it will also be the result of people's behavior, hopefully yours. Second, this is your chance to create meaning in an area of importance to you. You don't have to ride a bike in Fairbanks. What can you do? And after you do it, what can you share? How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step-by-step, step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodekcom donate. Again, that's joshuaspodekcom donate.